You're listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast, your new home for inspiration, family, sports conversations, and a lot of other stuff. We're your all-purpose pod for an all-purpose life and your weekly mirror check before you go change the world, baby. Enjoy the show. I'm your host, Mr. You. Welcome back to the All-Purpose Pod for an All-Purpose Life. Thank you again for joining us on They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. So, I was having a conversation with someone that I met recently on the Twitter machine. Starting to build a big following out there and getting to know some people, hear some stories. And... We talked about something that's been going on in the news lately that's disheartening to a lot of people, but it was a topic of conversation. Uh, Things got a little bit heated. There was some misinterpretations of what one person said to the other. You know how it is when you're sending a message to somebody, you can't really interpret text very well. Emojis try to help a little bit, but they don't do justice for actual real words and real conversations with real people. But one thing came to mind in the midst of this conversation, which is still ongoing, but I'll be the first to admit it and just be honest about it and just state it. I have had daddy issues before. Has anybody out there beside me had daddy issues? Because of what pop culture and the media have taught us directly or indirectly, the term daddy issues normally speaks to women whose fathers left them at an early age or it's emblematic of their willingness to comply with whatever the person stating they had these issues wants them to do. Or maybe it's a boyfriend or a spouse who abandoned them in a time of need or did what their father did to them and the pattern kind of continued, the cycle kept going. I have three daughters and two granddaughters. Now, if having these kind of issues means they won't put themselves into a situation to be victimized by a scandalous brother, then hooray for daddy issues. It does go a lot deeper than that, though, and I recognize that. It transcends gender, race, socioeconomical backgrounds, etc. I'm not really sure how to even describe it. Even if I tried to find a definition somewhere, it would probably wouldn't be adequate enough to describe the way I personally understand what it feels like to have quote-unquote daddy issues. If you read my very first book that came out in 2016, uh, most of you guys know some of the story that came along with that, with myself and the publishing company and all of the gory details. But the name of the book was entitled The Heart of the Stepfather. And of course, most of you that know me knows I've never used that term in my personal life at any point in time. I was a father from the beginning. I'm a father now. So you know that my father entered my life, if you read the book, almost into my interest into adulthood, very late in life. I spent most of my childhood chasing him through old photographs and unanswered phone calls and pleas for reconciliation that fell on deaf ears. I spent the majority of my life chasing somebody who didn't want to be found, if I'm being real about it. This isn't an indictment of my father, God rest his soul. 
He's already gone on to be with the Lord. But once I found him in time, I spotted almost immediately the reason or reasons why he didn't want to be located. And it had nothing to do with me personally, even though it felt that way from my perspective at the time. It didn't, however, numb the agony of a son feeling like he's been discarded. You know, it it did make the circumstances a little bit more understandable, at least because I understood that there was some brokenness going on and some things that had nothing to do with me that he experienced with his father. And again, that pattern we were talking about earlier continues. What I found was a broken man who had some issues. He was at church faithfully every Sunday, had a wonderful pastor and a wonderful church family from what I saw with my own eyes and what I heard. But what I found was a father who struggled to be present in some relationships, the one with me specifically. What I found was a man that serves his country faithfully. And even when he came back home, he never stopped fighting. In a good way and perhaps in a bad way, too. Then he was fighting in Vietnam, fighting for our country. After he came back, he was fighting just to get health and retirement benefits that he believed he was entitled to, which I'm sure he was. He clearly had troubles coping with some decisions from the past and the anxiety of facing an uncertain future. People that get to a certain age of going through a lot of things, they come to terms with that kind of stuff eventually. And they realize that, you know what? I'm not sure what the future looks like for me. I'm sure some of you may feel the same way. I can understand that. It was his son that flew cross country to bury him. And in that week or so, I found out things that I would rather not have known. I saw things that broke my heart. It made me extremely sad. I realize now why my phone calls went unanswered so often. I know now why my letters were never responded to. I learned more about my dad in his death than I did in his life. And what I learned was more than what I bargained for. I remember vividly, really clearly, the last time that I saw him alive. We were at a family gathering at the family home, not long after we laid one of my aunts to rest. The house was a three-story home, brownstone in Brooklyn, like most of them are. Full of friends and family, but the atmosphere was kind of somber, obviously. We just lost somebody important to us. It should have been a somber atmosphere. She was my favorite aunt in the sense that she always had a good word for me. She always embraced me like I was always a part of the family, even though I considered myself a black sheep, to be fair. But she never treated me like a really used appendage. In her eyes, I was family. And with all that was going on during that time, that's exactly what I needed. I still miss her so much. That house was filled with the few memories I had of her. But I felt like a stranger, even in the midst of all of that love and uh, affection that came from my aunt. I would walk slowly up the stairs during those times and found my father sitting at the table with several people who I didn't even recognize. I, I didn't know who they were. I don't think they were even relatives. Everyone was surrounded by cups and bottles. 
He would look up and say, hey, son. Then look back down into his glass. I stayed around for a while to engage in conversation, but I'll never forget that landscape. It was unfamiliar to me and it was uncomfortable to me. I looked into the eyes of what could have been me had I been exposed to it. What a frightening thought. Real talk here, man. In my quest for love and validation, would I have turned down a drink if my long lost father offered it to me right there in that moment? If he offered me something else, would I have taken it? If he asked me to do him a favor that I normally didn't agree with, would I accommodate him because I wanted validation, because I wanted acceptance? A son might do almost anything for his father if it met with his approval. If you're a son and you have a father and you have self-proclaimed daddy issues, you understand what I'm saying today. It's a slippery slope. But it taught me a valuable lesson that I would take with me throughout the rest of my life. The things that we want most in life are not always the things that we need most from life. The things that we want most in life are not always the things that we need the most from life. I saw what could have been, I say could have been my future. And I didn't want any part of it. It didn't line up with what I had dreamed, what I envisioned, what I believed the Lord was preparing for me. It ran counter to what I believed was my destiny. So let's just collectively lift our hands and give God praise. He doesn't give us anything we ask for whenever we ask for it. What a mess we'd have of a life if he did that. Daddy issues. In this case for me, personally, it was struggling with who I was as a man. And what pitfalls to avoid. I envy the times highlighted in scripture where generations documented significant moments and important memos and memorials for future generations to be informed and maintain the value system set in place because of what the Lord has done. That's awesome to me for a whole bunch of reasons that I can't go into in one episode. But could you imagine if you had documentation at your fingertips saying that your father, your grandfather, your great-grandfather had a particular issue that they fell victim to? All of them did. Three generations of men fell victim to the same exact issue. That's almost like a cheat sheet, baby. You can say, aha, I'm definitely going to avoid that. Wouldn't that be easy? If it was so easy, it's not. You have that in some forms with hereditary diseases and things of that nature, but you get what I mean. All this started with me seeing a picture of a man standing on a stage in a nightclub with a microphone in his hand, singing to a crowd of people. Once I got my hands on that picture, I kept it hidden in my room and I wouldn't take, I would take it out often to look at it. I wondered, what's, wonder what song he was singing. Did the people like the song? How long was he singing at that club? Did he sing anywhere else? Why did he start singing and loving music in the first place? I had so many questions. That picture elicited all kinds of emotions for somebody of a tender age like I was. And from what I can see, no offense, but nobody on the maternal side of my family seemed to be musically inclined. That's not shade, by the way. They probably admit it to this day. But 
it let me know that there was a piece of me that was, I guess, yet undiscovered, if that makes sense. A place that needed to be filled, a part that was missing. I found some answers, but at great cost. And a lot of the answers were left on an icy cold slab of a metal table in the county morgue. Unanswered. Unresolved. Unfinished. You know, for every story like Joseph in the Bible, where his father Jacob doted over him and considered him his favorite child and mourned uncontrollably when he thought that his his favorite son died. He was literally unable to function because of his immense grief. There's a story on the opposite side of the spectrum. For everyone like that, there's a story on the opposite side of the spectrum. Stories like David and his father Jesse, who had eight sons, but his father literally forgot that his eighth son was working in the field tending to the sheep. While they were rejoicing and having banquets or entertaining the idea of a new king being crowned from in the family, his father forgot that he was even there, that he was part of the household. Have you lived a life like Joseph's? Or do you have a history more closely resembling that of David in this scenario? When a neighbor or relative says, you're just like your daddy, does it make you smile from ear to ear with pride and confidence? Or does it make you drop your head embarrassed and ashamed because your father wasn't exactly a model of good parenting? Once I realized I would never have a chance to have a natural father in my life to look up to, I began to search for mentorship through books. And if I could find it, even in discipleship and in ministry, but all my attempts seemed to fail. I was spitting my wheels and getting nowhere fast. I spent a lot of years feeling sorry for myself, to be honest. I'm not quite sure that's a symptom for daddy issues, but that's what I was dealing with. I was feeling like I was owed some kind of huge debt. Maybe even secretly blaming God for cheating me out of an opportunity to know my father. But what a fool I was. I missed something in all of this. I was chasing a father who didn't want me around and ignored the father that gave his all for me. Yeah, I had daddy issues and that's how it looked. One day I was sitting in the church service on Sunday morning and I heard a life-changing message. I walked through those doors feeling like I was, like I had things together and I knew where I was heading in life. You know, smiled and greeted your friends and brothers and sisters in Christ. I had a positive word in my mouth for everybody that I came across. Sat down in that chair, pulled up my Bible, harboring all these feelings of contempt for spiritual mentors who bailed on me and let me down. Still to a degree unforgiving to the father for running away as soon as I was born. I sat in the midst of a father that loves me regardless of how messed up I was with all that junk inside of me and then some. And I heard a word that changed my life forever. I don't recall all the details of the sermon, but the part that did the most damage to my facade that I was holding up was all that I needed. Isn't it funny how our approach to solving problems is so vastly different from God's? 
Joseph was destined to be a savior to an entire nation as the governor of Egypt, second to the Pharaoh, and would save the lives of thousands during times of famine. That was the mission. But Joseph was hated by his brothers, despised for being a dreamer, cast into a pit and left for dead, then sold into slavery, then given a job as a chief financial officer for a high-ranking official, and then falsely accused of attempted rape, then thrown into jail and left there, helped another prisoner essentially get his wings, and then give the assignment over the Pharaoh's house and a vast amount of territory as the governor of Egypt. Now you tell me, if you were writing the story of your future designation to a high office where you can save the world, would you write these scenes into your biography? Of course you wouldn't. None of us would do that. The challenge that we are facing every day are challenges we would gladly give up if given the choice. But then that might deter us from a heck of a destiny on the other side of this. So back to that sermon. It was only when I stopped focusing on what I was being deprived of and how it hindered my chances at being a good father and started focusing on my own self-construction. It's a pro tip for you guys. Started focusing on my own self-construction that I saw a light at the end of the tunnel. I started focusing on sonship and less on trying to gain the long missing pieces to solve the how to be a good father puzzle. I still hold this passage in high regard today. One of my favorites. As a matter of fact, it's arguably my favorite passage in scripture. When I heard this preached and the way it was broken down for me, it changed everything. It comes out of Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1 and 2. I'm going to read it to you today. In that sermon, the scripture read, Brothers and sisters, in view of all we have just shared about God's compassion, I encourage you to offer your bodies as living sacrifices dedicated to God and pleasing to him. This kind of worship is appropriate for you. Don't become like the people of this world. Instead, change the way you think. Then you'll be always able to determine what God really wants, what is good, pleasing, and perfect. I spent so much time focusing on what I didn't have and completely disregarding what I did actually have. I needed to change the way I thought and how I viewed God. And what his place in my life should be. From that example, I was not just like my daddy. I needed to change that idea right away. I was trying to resemble the wrong father. I'm going to say that part again for those on the back. Way in the back. I was trying to resemble the wrong father. 1 John 3 and 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's God's idea of the ultimate sonship. There's a lot of story to tell in this, a whole lot more. But, you know, I, you know, I really looked at where I was and I looked at all the things that I I really felt as though I wasted so much time I was focusing on the things that really didn't have any real consequence fighting for things that didn't even benefit me things that didn't 
quote unquote, complete me. I really, really learned a lot about myself during this time. I, I learned a lot about myself and how I looked at people and, and the way I treated people. For me, sonship was, you know, a concept that I had no idea what it was about and what it meant, but I began to gain a perspective of it as a mature man with a focus on trying to resemble the father that did want me, not the one that didn't. Trying to be made, well, trying to be fit to be made in the image of the one who did love me. I didn't have to work for it. It was already done for me. I didn't, I didn't realize that. I thought I had to earn it to see if I tried to earn my father's love in the natural. I didn't realize that I already had the inheritance, already had the rights, already had the blessing, already had the approval, already had the acceptance, already had the love. So if you were asked today what your primary goal is, could you detail the mission that God has for you? And can you see where you are and see past all the things people said about you, all the things that perhaps don't reflect who you are or who you need to be. I really believe it's worthy of a thought. So when you hear daddy issues now after hearing this episode, what do you think about? What do you think that means? That man, that father figure, that wronged you, that abandoned you, that left you behind. It's easy to think about that and then think about God doing the same thing. But there's a scripture in the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19, and it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man that he should repent. God is not like man. Man screws up, God doesn't. Man fails, God can't. Man lies, God can't. Man thinks about the possible. God deals in the impossible. Wherever you are today, however you listen to the podcast for the people, thank you again for making They Call Me Mr. You. Just a small part of your morning, your day, and your week with your weekly mirror check before you go change the world. Hope you enjoyed Daddy Issues today. If you're following us on social media, you'll find us at They Call Me Mr. You on Facebook and at Call Me Mr. You on the Twitter machine. Love to hear your thoughts on today's episode or any episode that we've had so far in season one, two, and three. We're coming to the end of season three, guys. So love to hear your thoughts. Other than that, thank you again for supporting us. Have a fantastic day. Enjoy the music. Coach out. Thanks again for listening to the Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. 
please like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel for all of our full-length live episodes. And of course, if you're an audio listener, wherever you enjoy your podcast listening, you can find They Call Me Mr. You, the podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. Go change the world. Coach out.